Jerusalem, I come to you, not ushering in war, but offering peace. You shout, Hosanna, save us, but you don't understand. Your ways are not my father's ways. I have come to save. Even though soon you will shout, crucify, I still come, offering salvation. These tears are not for me. They're not for what I must endure. I weep for you, Jerusalem. If you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now, it is hidden from you. The day will come when your enemies will surround you. They will dash you to the ground. They will not leave one stone on another. Because you did not recognize me. You did not understand. You did not believe. That God. Was with you. We get so wrapped up in the Hosanna part. Of Palm Sunday. That I think we forget that, you know, those were actually the words that Jesus spoke after he came into Jerusalem that day. And I know this, I never want to be a person who doesn't recognize him and who doesn't understand and so who doesn't believe. There's this, uh, there's this absolutely incredible story. I love it. Um, it's right after Jesus raises from the dead. Two of his disciples are walking along this road to this city called, this town called Emmaus. And Jesus comes and walks alongside of them, except they don't know it's actually Jesus. I don't know how he pulled this, all right? But he kind of smoke screens them. He's there. It's like some dude came up and walked beside me, but they don't know it's Jesus. And he, and he hears their conversation, and he goes, what are you talking about? And they start telling him about the events that happened on Good Friday, about how, how their, their leader, Jesus, died, and he plays dumb. Do you ever feel sometimes like Jesus is playing dumb with you? He plays dumb. He's like, wait, wait, what, what are you talking about? And the disciples are like, are you kidding me? Like, what cave have you been living in? To which he had to be thinking, well, for the last three days, I could tell you. <laughs> And so they get excited and they begin to share with Jesus all of the accounts of what happened to him, not realizing that it was him standing there. And they come to the end of this and they're left in this place of just, you know, what does this mean for us? It's over. It's over. We put our hope, we put our faith, and it fell to pieces. What do we do next? And I love the next words out of Jesus' mouth. This is what he says. You'll see it translated this way. How foolish are you? I translate it my way. Can you really be this stupid 
How stupid can you be? How can you not understand what all of this is about? And it says that Jesus then begins to unpack all of the events, explaining to the disciples the significance. And at the end, he says this. He says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Man, I feel like a disciple a lot of times. It's like I see the events, but I miss the significance. Jesus says, all of the scriptures, the entire Old Testament, Jesus' Bible, he says all of it points to him. How many times do we read it and we read the events, but we miss the significance. What I want to help you do today is connect the dots. I want to help you not just see, but understand so that you can believe. What I want to do today is talk about this day and how the Old Testament pointed to it and its fulfillment in Jesus. Now, we mentioned this last week, but in the the Old Testament, in Leviticus, there is an outline for seven major holidays, seven annual holidays that are going to be celebrated every single year. Here they are. Now, what I'd like you to do is actually turn to Leviticus with me. There's Bibles underneath the chairs if you'd like to follow. And I invite you this morning to open to Leviticus 23. If you're out in the back and overflow, Welcome Center can get you some Bibles. And um, pull out your phone if you need to. Leviticus 23. And let's just outline what these holidays are about, okay? Let's get them on our grid and get familiar with with something that seems so insignificant. But Jesus says, no, wait a minute, this points to me. Chapter 23, we'll begin at verse 4. He says, these are the Lord's appointed feasts, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. Number one, the Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. That's the day, all right? Holiday two, on the 15th day of that month, the Lord's Feast of Unleavened Bread begins. For seven days you must eat bread made without yeast. Skip to verse 10. Holiday three, when you enter the land I am going to give you, and you reap its harvest. Bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord, and they would wave it like this. Don't miss the significance. (laughs) He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on, catch the day, the day after the Sabbath. Got it? Feast four. Turn with me to 15. Feast of weeks. 50 days, sometimes called Pentecost. Pentecost of 50 in Greek. From the day after the Sabbath day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the Sabbath and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. Feast five. 
trumpets. Verse 23, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites on the first day of the seven month. Okay, we got a big period of time. We were first month, 50 days, seventh month, two big chunks. On the seventh month, you are to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present an offering to the Lord by fire. Holiday six, day of atonement, verse 27. The 10th day, right after trumpets, 10 days after trumpets of this seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly. And finally, feast seven tabernacles, booths, Sukkoth in Hebrew, Verse 34, say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins, and it lasts seven days. Do you feel fulfilled? We see the events, but do we miss the significance Rooted in Leviticus is this package of feasts, this package of holidays, four in the spring, pretty much all back-to-back flowing onto each other, and three in the fall. Now, let's unpack them here today. The first is Passover. Passover, which we celebrate on Monday, Thursday, actually had its pre-game event begin on this day, Palm Sunday. Now, Passover is a lot more like the 4th of July than it is like Maundy Thursday because this was a freedom festival. People would come out to remember, God has rescued us from the powers that be. He rescued us from Egypt, and if God did it once, God can do it again. They did it by sacrificing a lamb. And God told them, sacrifice this lamb and do what any normal person does. Dip your hands in its blood and smear it on your door. And so when my wrath comes on your enemies, I will pass over you. Hence the name. A lamb dies so that they will be saved. And I think of what the New Testament says when it says that Christ is our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed. It's immediately followed by the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And there's a very interesting tradition in this seven-day run where they would take some of the bread and they would bury it in the ground only to dig it back up three days later. And so Jesus dies near the Passover, and where does he go? Into the ground, only to be raised three days later. Now, it says on the first Sabbath, on the first day after the Sabbath of Passover, we come to the next holiday, first fruits. So count the days, Monday, Thursday, okay, Good Friday, Sabbath is Saturday. What would the first day be? Sunday, Easter Sunday. On Easter Sunday, they would celebrate this festival called First Fruits. What it was was a harvest festival, but it was the first crop, the very first taste of all the produce that was to come. It's like this is the first glimpse we get of the bounty to come. They would come and offer it to the Lord. And what does the New Testament say? That Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, the first of a harvest of those who will raise from the dead. Now, 50 days later, they would come to Pentecost. And Pentecost was the bigger harvest festival. You had 50 days for your tomatoes to come in, right? 
And so what you would do is you would come and you would celebrate God who has given a harvest. And all the Jews are gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost. And this is when Acts 2 hits and God's spirit comes down. What does Jesus say? The workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. Ask God to raise up workers. And you have Peter and James and John gathered with all the people. And the Holy Spirit comes down and they reap a harvest on that Pentecost day. And then you're done. You're done with the first round. Spring feast, you got a long time to wait. And I think about how long is it that we have been waiting since Pentecost happened for Christ to come again? You know, I think of those times when Jesus says, keep watch because I'm coming soon. And I start to think that he might have a different definition of soon than I do. And you'd finish Pentecost and you'd wait. And you'd wait. And you'd wait. And then the fifth holiday would come. The Feast of Trumpets. Guess what they would play? Guess what they would play? Yeah. Own the gut feeling, all right? Own the gut feeling. Look what the New Testament has to say. The Lord's going to come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with what? Trumpet calls of God. And this would lead into something called the 10 days of awe. And at the end of the 10 days was the day of atonement, a judgment day for Israel, a day when they knew for certain their sins had been paid for and there was judgment for those cut off. And I think about what it says, how Christ was sacrificed once and for all and he will appear a second time to bring what? Salvation to those who are waiting for him. And do you know what happens as soon as Day of Atonement is done? Tabernacles. Last feast. You know what this is? Basically, it was like this big outdoor festival. You gotta think Woodstock. And I don't mean the city, I mean 1969, all right? Because what you would do is you'd gather for seven days and you would build makeshift shelters and huts and you would party like it was, well, I don't know, 1999, there you go, right? You would party, and what happens after judgment day comes? Eternity begins, where the celebration never ends. Do you start to see how rooted in the seedbed of all these things in the Old Testament is a sign? You've heard of reenactments, right? Civil War reenactment, Ren Fairs. These holidays are pre-enactments, pre-enactments of the greater one who was to come and a greater thing that God was going to do through Jesus. Now, let's go back to Passover. Let's go back to Passover, this, uh, this freedom festival. Because what happened on Passover day, Thursday by our reckoning from today, is that Israel would come from the four corners of the globe. They would gather in Jerusalem. I told you earlier, the city would swell to 10 times its size. They were coming to remember God rescued us once. God can do it 
again. They were coming to say, never forget. Never forget who God is and what he has in store for you. Never forget what God is capable of. Never forget that God is a God who saves Israel. Never forget. Now they would gather and they would do things. We go to a 4th of July parade and we wave flags and we sing patriotic songs, right? They would do the same thing. See this thing? It ain't just a palm branch. It is a national flag. Let me show you this. This is a coin, a Roman coin. And they would mint coins to mark great victory. Kind of like we put our national symbols and seals on coins, they would too. Now, you see the face, and we're not going to talk about the face over there, because that's boring, all right? You see this dude here. You see him kind of running on a horse, you got to imagine them running on a horse to announce the good news, as they would call it, of victory that Rome just had. And what is he carrying? A palm branch. Do you see it in there? He's carrying a palm branch because this is a symbol of victory. The Hebrews picked up on this. The Jews picked up on this. They minted their own coins. This is the back of them from around the time of Jesus. Do you see it there in the middle? We have an eagle on our quarters. They had this. And what are the people doing? It says Jesus comes in and they take palm branches and they begin to wave them like we would wave a flag and they begin to shout something. What is it? Let's talk about that. Because Hosanna is actually from a revolution song of Israel. This is from Psalm 118. They would say this thing, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Now you hear save, and we probably go like theological right away, right? It was so much bigger for them. Lord, save me. Save me at the last day, but save me now too. Save me now to deliver me, rescue me, protect me, overthrow my enemies. And to really get the feel for this, because every good song has to rhyme. Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony, stuck a feather in his hat, shoot what rhymes with pony. They had a rhyme too. They had to get rhythm too. Hear how it sounds in Hebrew. Ana Yahweh Hoshiana. Say that. That was pretty good, actually. I didn't think you were going to do it, all right? <laughs> Ana Yahweh Hoshiana, Ana Yahweh Hatzlichana. You hear it? Ana Yahweh Hoshiana, Ana Yahweh Hatzlichana, Ana Yahweh Hoshiana, Ana Yahweh Hatzlichana. You get the feel. And what they would do is they would come into Jerusalem and they would be shouting it. They would be cheering it. They would start doing it like back and forth. They would have like cheerleaders on each side. We got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? You get the idea behind this? All of these things embedded in that first Palm Sunday where Israel seeing the events but missing some of the significance because something else was written about this day. 
Now, you might remember Passover, it says, began on the 14th day of the first month. Now, let me show you what Exodus 12 has to say about Passover. It says, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, so if the 14th is a Thursday, let's count back, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, Sunday, right? So on Sunday, Hosanna Sunday, Palm Wave Sunday, each man is to take a lamb for his family and take care of him for four days. And when all the people of community of Israel gather on that day, Israel must slaughter them at twilight. What day is Jesus walking into Jerusalem on? Lamb selection day. And Jesus says, all of the scriptures point to me. It's at this point you just kind of get the whole, you know, you know, you start getting the, the chills here. Yeah, and, and what is going on? This is Palm Sunday. And Israel was gathered in numbers beyond belief. And they witnessed the event, but they missed its significance. I never want to be a person who sees the event or reads the event but misses the significance. I never want to be a person who meets Jesus but doesn't recognize him, doesn't understand him, and therefore doesn't believe. You know, there's, there's this other thing it says in the, in the Palm Sunday narratives of the Bible. It says that the people who came, you know, they heard about Jesus. In fact, they heard that he had raised this guy named Lazarus from the dead. They saw all these miraculous signs they were doing. They saw the signs he was doing. And it says, they went out to beat him. But it was the people who, quote, knew the best, that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the people who immersed in, in, in this, this, this Bible that, that Jesus had pointed to him, this is what they said. They see the people going after Jesus, and they're like, this is hopeless. This is hopeless. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Look how the whole world has gone after him. The whole world has gone after him. Have you? Because that is the question that makes all the difference on a day like today. That's the difference between a disciple and a Pharisee. It's a question that none of us can escape and every one of us at some point needs to ask. The world has gone after him. Have you? Sometimes I think like 
ancient Israel, we are so guilty of seeing Jesus in a certain way that we miss the depth and significance of what it means to commit to him. And that's what Jesus invites each of you to do, to follow him, to commit to him, to put him first in your life, to call him savior and know, know the, the, the expanse of what that means, to call him Lord and say, Jesus, you lead. That's what Jesus invites each of you to do. And this morning, guys, we, want, we just want to give you a chance to do that today. Nothing weird. No one has to stand out. But here's what we're going to do today. We're going to go back into Jerusalem again. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. And maybe you're here and you're like, I haven't been following him. And I want to. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't understand him, but I want to. Maybe you're here today and you need to commit or recommit to him again. Band is coming up. They're gonna lead us in worship and maybe what this means for you today is just belting it out from your chairs, standing on your feet, waving your palm and shouting out to God in worship. Elders are gonna come up to the subwoofers on the side. Maybe you just need someone to pray for you today. Maybe you need someone to put their hands upon you and come before God for you today and pray for you and lead you into what it means to trust him, to follow him, to commit to him, to be willing to risk again the words, Yahweh, save us. Maybe you just need to be in a place right there coming in prayer to God. The point is this, guys. It's not the technical details that matter. There's any number of ways. What matters is that you don't delay. Because Good Fridays are coming. Come to Jesus today. I'll invite you to rise.